Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What a powerful anthem of worship. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, choir, for leading us in worship. If you would, slip down right here to the right, because we're going to start the video, and I don't want you to miss this, but you can, or just to the right or left. Amen. I don't want you to miss this, and then you can go to the back to take off your choir robes, but uh, next Sunday morning and Sunday evening, Jonathan Kahn will be with us. I believe this is a very important time that God has brought some voices to this pulpit. We have tried, we had, he was with us two years ago, and we have been unable to get him back. It just has not worked out. And then, while we were praying and fasting, the door just opened. And uh, it, it, to me, it was, uh, it, it was, well, it was, I, I believe God was saying something. And I believe that God has sent Reinhard Bonnke last Sunday and Jonathan Kahn next Sunday. And uh, there's something he's trying to say. There's a big picture here of what he's doing. And uh, Jonathan Kahn, that God has given him a revelation about the hour in which we live things that are happening in our world. I, I know a lot of people don't see signs and, and they think about the signs as it relates to the coming of the Lord, but friends, I believe uh, God has given to this world signs. He's given us things that we need to be aware of that point us to the fact the coming of the Lord is getting closer. And I believe that there's a special insight been given to Jonathan Kahn. Every single person that I have asked to come and invited has said they'll be here. And I believe that's a work of the Holy Ghost. And I believe that you have loved ones and friends that need to be here next Sunday, need to connect in many places of our world, and they can watch online and be a part of the services, and you need to invite them this week. But recently, God showed to Jonathan Kahn something that was aired uh, just recently, and I saw this this week, and I thought, you know, this is just a further sign of the imminent return of our Lord and Savior. As you see, so many things coming together. There's a convergence. Even the year in which we live, there's a convergence of things just making us aware we're getting close. We will never know the exact minute, but of the times and seasons, the Scripture says you can be aware. Amen. And the signposts say it's getting closer. And I believe that this 10-minute video is going to show you a further sign that we're getting close to the coming of the Lord, that things are getting near. And it's all about seven being completion. Amen. What happened is that, that on, on this day in autumn, suddenly the Associated Press, not Christian, not, not prophecy, they send forth an image to America, and the image is of the cow with the number seven on its head. That's the image that goes through the world. Now, just to set it up for those who don't, the, the, biblical, the biblical basis of this is this, that when God warned Egypt of the coming of seven years of famine, the changing of seven, seven again, Shemitah, seven years of abundance to seven years of famine, it's the Pharaoh who has the dream, and the dream is of the seven cows and another cows. seven cows. 
And he sees them, and, not th and those cows, each cow represents a year. The first seven represents years of prosperity. The second seven, the sickly, or in Hebrew, the evil cows, represent the years of famine. So every cow, this is the bi first biblical symbol given in the Bible of the warning of economic famine, collapse, is that of a cow. Every cow represents a year. And so the key turning point is the cow number seven. That's the last year, not only the, that would represent the Shemitah, because it's the seventh year it represents, but, it's the but it also rep represents the turning point of, from a prosperity to famine. Okay, so you've got that all there. And then, so, so what happens? Now the Associated Press sends this image to America of cow number seven, the biblical imagery that God warned Egypt about, now coming to America. And what data is it released to America? It's released on September 25th, the opening day of the seventh year, the very opening day of the Shemitah. The wow. symbol... Yeah. The biblical symbol of the seventh year comes out on the opening day of the seventh year of this cow that they, they put, these, the secular press put it on the airwaves because they said this is so weird to have a cow born with the number seven. It was just born a few days before. By the way, its name was Benjamin. They called it Ben or Benjamin, which is actually linked to Joseph, Benjamin. You know. um, oh. And so, so this goes out. Now, I shared this last time I was here. So the last time I was here. So, so you've got that. Now, it was announced, though, on the, on the first day of September the... September 25th is the day the image went out. The, the opening Shemitah. day of the Shemitah. The, which was exactly half a year from this, this, this convergence but of all these things. But it's like the, the trumpet sounds on that day. The, the warning goes out. Do you understand this at all? What's the odds of this, people? Yeah. On the first day of the Shemitah year, the warning goes out of a cow with a seven. And what did the world interpret it as? They just thought, hey, this is a, hey, it's, this is a real weird thing, and it's a, it's a sign that maybe it's, they, I don't know, they linked it to the Pittsburgh Steel or something yes, very they crazy, did. something like that. They yeah. thought it was a sign that the, <laughs> they were going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, that's how they... So they named the cow after a football player. Right. Yeah. That is a picture of America. Wow. <laughs> we turn it all to pleasure and sports and fun or whatever. And just like missing the harbingers, missing another sign right here. I mean, and so, first of all, for a cow to have a number seven to begin with, that's something, that's beyond. But then to have it on the day that the cow represents the seventh oh. year. So you have, and that's not, it's the Shemitah. So here it goes out on that day. Now I come here, and this is all part of God's, I believe, working. I'm sharing it with you here last time. And then it turns out, and I, I only know this because I watched the show. So <laughs> it turns out to... Farmers from Texas. Yes. Um, Hep and Pam, is Hep that it? And, Pam, that's and right. they happened to, from what you happened to turn on the Jim Baker show right. within 20 seconds of me sharing this. Happened this is Pam. the man. Yeah. But Hep, you walk into your house. You just came home from doing shopping or something. You've been out. You walk in the house, and so he's. But he turns his TV on. If he would have been a few minutes later, he would have missed it. It right. was right I mean, at the end yeah. of where you were on talking yeah. about it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so he said, yeah. well, we have a cow like that. We have a calf that was just born. And then he looked. Yeah, and then you, what I, what I saw here is that you looked at your records, and you actually put the timing of the birth of the cow. And when you looked at the timing of the cow, it 
was born on September 25th, the same opening day of the Shemitah, the opening of the seventh year, same day. Not only is it enough to have a cow with the number seven, now there are two cows with the number seven, and both the same exact day. No one won. Do you know not one? I read all the newspapers, clippies. I read everything about it. And all they thought it was a sign, maybe, that the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to win the Super Bowl. And no one had any spiritual inkling except they said, oh, it's weird. You know, like seven is weird, you know. And then God gives a born-again calf, I guess. <laughs> because, well, at least the farmers are born-again people. Okay. They're our partners. They watch this show. Even that is the hand of God. Yeah. That it happened to be someone who's watching and yes. part of the ministry, and right. that's where it was shared. That's right. God did it so we wouldn't miss these things. What do, like you think, do you, what do you think, Rabbi? What do you think God's saying through it, this? Well, it, well, I wanted is, to ask you. This is yeah. my first chance. <laughs> one is, I mean, one is the Bible speaks in, in the matters of judgment, there have to be two witnesses. Mm. Before the matter of judgment can be passed, there are two witnesses. Here there are two cows with the number seven, confirming the second confirming confirmation to witnesses of this of this phenomenon that's the first thing uh, secondly it's interesting because there are different types of cows i mean when one was male and one is female one is a red heifer i mean on top of everything red heifer <laughs> which is you know that's a spiritual cow right yeah but i mean but, that's that's a biblical but, yeah but notice something in in the it's kind of completes it all because in the in the warning that was given to Egypt through the dream of Pharaoh, it wasn't just seven cows, it was 14 cows. It was two sets of seven. Two sets of two cows who are the seventh cow. Now it's 14. You understand? You, you just, put, just, add the, just add what's on the cow yeah. and you have 14. That is the final number of Pharaoh's dream. And split in half by seven and seven. That's Pharaoh's dream. That's the same. It's like matching the same imagery. Fourteen, two seventh cows, each cow representing the set. One, and notice something else. The cows of Pharaoh's dream are representing, it's one type of cow, is the, se is the seventh cow of one type. And then there's another, a different type of cow that yes. is the other seven. So there are two seventh cows, each representing the seven. So it's, the it's matching it exactly. In all, the, all the components of that warning to Egypt are now complete with the seven and seven, two cows. And, and now notice something else. You know, if you look at that first cow, you look at that seven, that seven, it looks like a, almost a typewriter seven. It mm -hmm. looks like a, it's got a serif. It looks like a, it's like a fancy seven. Yes. Time Romans. Now remember, with the two cows, there were two different kinds. The first was a, representing abundance. The second represents the famine. So two different kinds. The second seven of this one doesn't look fancy. It looks almost like a Passover seven. Like you just, you dab this. You dabbed it on the, on, as like Passover. It, it's sparse. You know, you, know, you have, so you, with, with, with Pharaoh, there's no frills on that one. The first one, it looks like this very fancy typewriter here. So you have two types of cows, just as you did with the two types of seven. With Pharaoh, you had one representing prosperity, fanciness, and the other representing judgment. Mm. Oh, oh. Or the warning of what's coming. Oh. And the seventh cow represents the turning from abundance to judgment or wow. famine. Wow. Amen. Can you say amen? Will you stand, please? Don't dare miss those services next Sunday when Jonathan Kahn 
will be with us in person. When he first published his book, I read about it, I ordered the copy, and I couldn't put it down. I read straight through it. I immediately went and purchased additional copies and made them available out in the foyer, and so it began to spread. And so thank God, I, I never dreamed that he would be a speaker in our church at that time, but I believe it's the providence of God. The harbinger, and so we, we realize we're living in the last days. In your Bible, I'm going to be reading from Revelation chapter 21, beginning with verse 1 down through verse 7. God makes all things new. This is good news. Some people are tired of the same old, same old, and they would like to see something different in their life. Well, I want to show you tonight that it's scriptural for us not to be bound with the past, but to expect God to do new things, greater things in our own lifetime. Revelation chapter 21, beginning with verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. You may be seated. The book of Revelation is a book of prophecy. It unveils and uncovers and reveals things that we need to know about the things of God. The very first Verse in the book of Revelation reads like this, chapter 1 and verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. And so God the Father gave the revelation to his son Jesus Christ. Jesus gave it to his angel, which probably was Gabriel, who made announcements to Mary and to Joseph. And then the angel gave it to John, and John wrote the book of Revelation. And you and I are blessed if we read that book, if we study that book, if we believe that book. Amen. We receive a blessing. So it's a book of prophecy, of things, of events, and of times. Many people are afraid 
of the book of Revelation, and so they shy away from it. They, they think it's too deep. But the very name means that God is wanting to unveil. He wants to reveal. He wants to show us things that we need to know. So it's a book of prophecy, of things, of events, and of special times. First of all, the revelation of Jesus Christ. This book reveals the Son of God. It reveals to us the man who died on the cross and shed his blood that we could be saved. In verse 4 of chapter 1, it says, He which is, which was, and is to come. So that's who this book is about. And then it tells us in verse 5, He is a faithful and true witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, and he that loved us and washed us in his blood. So this book tells us about that person. That's why tonight is so very important. In verse 7, it tells us he cometh with clouds. And in this book, it reveals to us his coming again with clouds. In verse 8, it says he's the Alpha, Omega, the beginning and the end, which is to come, the Almighty. And then in verse 13, the one standing in the midst of the seven churches, the seven candlesticks, which represent the seven churches, the Son of Man. So we know who that is. That's Jesus Christ. And then in verse 14, his head and his hairs are like wool, white as snow, and his eyes as flames of fire. And then in verse 15, his feet are like fine brass and his voice as the sound of many waters. Just reading through that first chapter is inspiring and enough to make you want to have a Pentecostal dance. <laughs> it reveals to us, this book, who our coming king is, who's going to rule the universe, who will be over us forever and forever. He's not coming back as a baby of Bethlehem, born and laid in the manger, He's coming back as a king of kings and lord of lords. In chapter 10 of this book, and in verse 1, he's coming down from heaven, because that's where he left this earth and went back to. He went back to be at the right hand of his father. And he is clothed with a white cloud. So he is revealed in a cloud, and he's clothed in a white cloud. And then in verse Chapter 19 and verse 11, I saw heaven open and a white horse and he that sat upon him is called faithful and true. So he's coming with clouds. He's going to be riding upon a cloud and then finally riding upon a white horse to conquer the Antichrist and to set up his own kingdom on this earth. So we see the conquering king of kings. Yes, he's the lamb of God but he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yes, he was a son of man, but he also is a son of God. And Jesus Christ is coming again. In chapter 19 and verse 12, we're told that he is crowned with many crowns. The world may reject him now, but they will not be able to reject him when he is crowned with many crowns. He's the king of kings, and Lord of Lords, chapter 19 and verse 16. 
crown him with praise. I want everyone to stand. Let's crown him with praise and worship. With uplifted hands, worshiping him. Crown him with many crowns. Crown him, crown him, crown him. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Worthy, 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 worthy. Holy, 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 holy. You may be seated. Next, I want to talk to you about the day of the Lord and the day of God. Those are two separate days in the Bible. Both of them represent a, an expanse of time. And we read in chapter 21, the very first verse that we read to you when we opened our service with the text, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. Now there's a lot of study going into that and we won't take time to delve into it. But in 2 Peter chapter 3, write this down, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 13, it explains to us what the day of the Lord is. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away. It won't happen the minute he comes back, but in the which, in which period of time, this period of time is a thousand years. During that thousand years, at the end of it, the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and holy godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God. Now here we have a second day. The day of the Lord is one thing. The day of God is another thing. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. There's going to be a blending of the day of the Lord and the day of God. The day of the Lord will end with these elements melting, and the day of God will begin. Nevertheless, in verse 13, we, according to his promise, listen to this, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. You know, Simon Peter was used by God on the day of Pentecost to preach the first sermon after the descent of the Holy Spirit in the upper room. And here, God has honored him to let him be the author of two books in our New Testament. And here's this passage in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 13. We, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now let's talk about the day of the Lord for a moment. Here it is in verse 10. Chapter 3 and verse 10, the day of the Lord begins at Armageddon when Jesus Christ comes back for the second advent. When he comes for the rapture of the church, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, that is not the day of the Lord. That happened seven years prior to the beginning of the day of the Lord. And so the rapture will take place, but the day of the Lord will last 1,000 years. A thousand years are as one day with Christ, the day of the Lord. The second advent, Jesus is coming back from heaven, riding on a white horse, the armies in heaven following him upon white horses to defeat the Antichrist, to put down rebellion, and to cleanse this earth from the things that have polluted and corrupted it so badly. So it will last for 1,000 years when he comes back 
He's going to set up his millennial kingdom on this earth and rule and reign for 1,000 years. In order to do that, he has to do something with Slewfoot. He has to put Lucifer so he can't mess up things. And so Lucifer will be bound with a chain and cast into a bottomless pit. The Antichrist and the false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire. And so they won't be around after the tribulation is over and the second advent and Armageddon takes place. They'll be forever banished from the scene. But Lucifer will be imprisoned. A great angel with a key to the bottomless pit comes down and lays hold on him who's laid hold on a lot of you and made you do things you never did want to do, never expected that you would do. But he's going to be bound and put into that bottomless pit. He'll have a long time to think over all the bad things that he's done. But it really won't convert him because at the end of that thousand years, he'll be released for a short season for one final staging battle against God and against Jesus Christ. It's called the Battle of Gog and Magog. And so he, he, the Bible tells us at the end of this 1,000 years, Peter de de defines it for us, describes it for us, the heavens shall pass away and elements shall melt with fervent heat and the works shall be burned up. There'll be no more corruption at the end of the 1,000 years, the millennial reign of Christ will come to an end, and God's going to renovate the heavens with fire just before the beginning and at the beginning of the day of God. So the day of the Lord has lasted for 1,000 years, ruling and reigning over the earth, and we're going to help to rule and reign with him. And so it's going to be a blessed time, and there will be natural people who survive the tribulation, and many of them get saved and survive and they'll be living here on the planet Earth during the millennium. And we're going to help to rule and reign and administer his righteous rule over the earth during that 1,000 years. But it'll all wind up when Christ again appears and renovates the heaven with fire. People think, well, if it's going to be burned up, nobody could be preserved. Think about the three Hebrew children. They were cast into the fiery furnace for, uh, with uh, that had been heated seven times hotter than ever before. Even the people that cast them in there died from the intense heat. But God preserved them. There was not even the smell of smoke on them. They came out, all their, their bonds were gone, and they were free because inside that fiery furnace, the fourth man showed up. And the old king looked in and said, I put three men in there. Why do I see four? The fourth is likened to the form of the Son of God. Praise God. It was Jesus, I believe, pre-incarnate revelation of Jesus Christ. Then in, in verse 11 of 2 Peter chapter 3, it said, things shall be dissolved. So God is going to change this planet Earth. New things are going to take place. The day of God then begins, and this day will last forever. It will never end. It will go on and on for eternity long. And it's the eternal, perfect state with never a lie being told, a crime being committed, or anything false being represented. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1 says, I saw a new heaven, a new heaven and a new earth. It lasts forever and forever. Peter said in verse 12 of 2 Peter chapter 3, we look for a new heavens and a new earth. Well, I don't know if you're looking for it. 
Whether you are or not, it won't change a thing. It's going to happen. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. This book doesn't lie. God has promised the day of the Lord's coming to an end. The day of God's going to begin. And that will be the eternal perfect state where we'll never grow old. We'll live forever and forever and forever and ever. Can you just stop and praise him a moment? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now briefly, let me talk to you about God's calendar. We know up to this point, the birth of Jesus and the beginning of the church when he went back to heaven and the descent of the Holy Spirit and the church getting on fire in the book of Acts and evangelizing everywhere, going in every direction, preaching the gospel. And that's what we're still doing. We're still living in the church age. It's going to end with the rapture of believers. Those who are saved, who are born again, who are washed in the blood of Jesus are going to be raptured. Jesus is coming back again. And he is coming back just as described by the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. Here it is. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. He has something to shout about. It's victory time. The voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We'll never be separated from him after that. He will live through the day of the Lord and then into the day of God. Now, the signs point to the soon and imminent return of Jesus Christ. The number seven is significant, and Jonathan Kahn will tell us more about that next Sunday. But I know already, you've read enough and studied enough to know that it's very significant. And God is giving us signs of the blood moon and the eclipse and, and all this taking place in our lifetime. We know that we're living in the last days. The earthquakes, the wars, the rumors of wars, and pestilence and all kinds of signs. And so the martyrdom of believers that will take place in the tribulation, no one ever believed that there would be people beheaded in these civilized days and every day you read about it in your newspaper or see an account about it on television. So it's going to be big under the Antichrist. They're getting practiced now. The spirit of the Antichrist is in the world today. And that is exactly what motivates ISIS. They're motivated by the spirit of the Antichrist. And they would not hesitate to take your head off if you missed the rapture and you would not take the symbol of 666, the sign of the Antichrist. They wouldn't mind one bit pushing you off the side of a boat or chopping your head off because Antichrist will have no mercy on believers. The war against Christianity today is heating up and the spirit of the Antichrist is very powerful and very real as we're living in the last days. It should cause us to rein up and look for his coming and expects things to take place. So the second advent will bring him back. The beginning of the day of the Lord. Millennium taking place for 1,000 years and Satan bound and cast into the bottomless pit. And at the end of that, being released for a short period. I'm glad God's not going to give him a long lease on life. Just a short period. And he will be out for a little while and motivate some people to rebel against God and one final effort to destroy Christianity 
will utterly fail, and then God will cast him into the lake of fire. And he will never, never get out of that lake of fire. The eternal day will then begin, and all things will be made new. The day of the Lord ending, and the heavens becoming on fire, God renovating the heavens, the day of God beginning, purging every trace of evil that has entered the earth since the Garden of Eden, purging the evidence from the face of the earth. No demons around, no devils around, no evil, no crime, but God has, is going to make all things new. Now then, my last point, God makes all things new. And so here we have that text in, in Revelation that reminds us, former things are passed away in Revelation 21 and verse 1. The first heaven and the first earth, no more sea, Peter said. Three-fourths of the earth today is now covered with water. Three-fourths of the earth is covered with water. It doesn't mean there won't be any lakes or seas in the eternal perfect state. There will be a river flowing from underneath the throne of God. And there will be lakes, but there will be no more giant oceans covering three-fourths of the face of the earth like it does today. So that's what it means when it says no more sea. The new Jerusalem coming down, chapter 21 in Revelation and verse 2. The new Jerusalem, that's the capital city of the universe. That's where the throne of God is. That's where God dwells. That's where Jesus said, in my Father's house there are many mansions. Yes, the new Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven and will be on the new earth, the new heavens and the new earth. No more, no more, listen, what, what's going to be banished forever and ever. Look down in Revelation 21, verse 14. No more tears, God shall wipe them away. I love to see a mother wipe the tears from a child's eye. And we all enjoy ministering to someone that's pain and trying to help relieve their agony. No more tears, for God shall wipe them away. No more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. No more pain. No more aspirants. <laughs> Former things are passed away. No more drive-by shootings. No more crime. No more murders. No more drugs. No more drunkenness. No more lying. No more deceptions. No more wars. No more hatred and violence. It's going to be a blessed time when God banishes from that, in the day of God, all of those things that have brought pain and agony. You know, the new birth is what is required to enjoy the promise of the, of the new life and all things becoming new. The former lifestyle is passed away. When you got saved, your past was banished. And I want to speak to those who feel, still feel guilty about things that happened when you were a teenager or a young person uh, and maybe even an adult and maybe even very, fairly recently, but you've repented and God has banished that. He has wiped it off your record. He has forgiven you and cast it into the sea of God's forgetfulness never to bring it back against you again. Amen. I want you to rejoice that your past is gone. All things are new. It's a time for us to accept our position with Christ. Our sins are forgiven. There is no condemnation. There is no more guilt. It is gone. Christ took it upon himself when he went to Calvary.
No more bondage. You're free. Like the Course says, I hear the chains falling. I hear the chains falling. And it's, new, this is a new day. New creatures in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. All things are new. A new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. Let me read to you from the book of Isaiah chapter 42, verse 9 and 10. Behold, the former things are come to pass. New things do I declare. Former things have already come to pass. You can't do anything about them except get forgiveness or try to right any wrong. The new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Listen to verse 10. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord a new song. And his praise from the end of the earth. And ye go down to the sea and all that is therein, the islands and the inhabitants thereof. God wants us to rejoice because it's a new day. I'm speaking to some people that are past 60 years of age tonight. There's not a lot of you. We're probably outnumbered. But those of us who are past 60, we, we may feel like most of our life has come and gone. And uh, what is it? Former things are passed away. Well, we don't want to live in yesterday. We want to live in today when all things are new. When God has a bright future, I want you to understand something. God's not finished with you. I believe the Holy Spirit led me to wind this message up with this encouragement to those who are past 60. And I'm going to give a special altar call for people who are 60 and above. You have to tell your age if you want this blessing. <laughs> if you want this blessing. God wants you to know that your witness your testimony, your life, your prayers, your handshakes, your God bless you, your goodwill, your support of the kingdom of God is so vital. All things are new. God's not through with you. He wants to use you today. Where you are, in your family, in your community, where you work, or if you're retired, in your spare time, with whatever volunteer ministry you have, on your own or through the church or through some organization, whatever you do to bless people and encourage people and help people, I want you to understand one thing that I want to get across tonight. All things are new with God. God makes all things new. So that includes banishing your guilt, the condemnation, the bondage, the chains that have had you bound, they're falling off tonight. They're falling off. If I was Jim Braley, I'd stomp my foot a little bit <laughs> and I'd run around this building a little bit. <laughs> but at 85, I'm going to be a little more reserved. <laughs> but at 85, I'm glad God's not through with me. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Would you bow your head? How many people in this room We'll say, Pastor, my life's not right with God. I'm not living a Christian life. I need to be saved. I need forgiveness. I need to come to Christ and begin a brand new life. I'm tired of the old way. And I want Jesus to come in and make me a new creature in Christ Jesus. If that's you and you want to, your life changed, raise your hand right quickly, wherever you are. Anywhere in this building, slip your hand up. Slip your, yes, thank you so much. You can take it down. 
How many more? Just raise your hand quickly and say, remember me. I want my life changed. I'm tired of messing up. I want to be free. I want God to take away my past. I see you. Thank you. You can let it down. Thank you so much. Now, we're going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer of repentance and get forgiveness from God. And then when I call the people who are 60 years of age and older down front, I want you to walk down with them if you lifted your hand or if you did not lift your hand but you want to be forgiven. Right now, I want you to pray with me. I want everybody in this room to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Forgive my sins. Blot out my transgressions. Make me a new person. I want a new life. I believe former things are gone. I'm looking forward to new things. I know you will bring it to pass. In the name of Jesus, I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, for everyone who was a backslider, everyone who had never accepted Christ, we claim that prayer to be effective for them right now. And I just want to thank, I want everybody to give God thanks for doing that. Thank Him for His forgiveness. Thank Him for it. Praise God. Praise God. Now, what I want you to do, if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, I want you to come down front. We have decision cards that we'd like for you to fill out. Get one of our prayer workers to help you fill it out. Give it back to them. Make a record of your decision to let Jesus be the Lord of your life before you leave this place tonight. I want everyone to stand. And I want everyone. You know, I prayed about this and I said, Lord, give me a sign if you want me to do this. And something went from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. It went through every nerve and fiber of my body. So later, I prayed that prayer again. I said, Lord, I need a second sign. I've never given an altar call like this. And so once again, it was different the second time around. But once again, I had a sign from God that God wanted me to give you the opportunity. 60 years of age and older, come quickly. Come to the front. Come to the front. And you that are not saved, join them. You that were not saved, I believe you are saved now if you met that prayer. I want you to make a record of it before you leave. Give them a hand. Give them a hand. Hallelujah. 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 We'll take a little extra time for some of you to make it down. Amen. Oh, yeah, give them a hand again. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Bless the Lord. Lou, you made it the last of the line. <laughs> oh, thank God. I want you to know something. We love you. We love every one of you. We thank God for the young people. We're going to have them pray over you in a minute. But we thank God for the youth, the, the homemakers, and everybody else, the single people, whatever. But I want you to know you are special in the kingdom of God. And former things are passed away. 
all things are become new. From this night on, God gave me this message to encourage you to believe God for greater things. Amen. And I want you to claim it. Claim it now. Glory to God. Pastor, come up here and, and join with me as we pray over this group of people, 60 and over. Father, in the name of Praise Jesus, God. we pray for every person who has made an effort. Some couldn't even get down here. So we pray, Lord, look into their hearts. See their desire to be all that you want them to be. Open new doors. Open up brand new opportunities. Let their health improve. Heal their sicknesses. Give them new strength, new vitality, new power, new anointing. All things are new. All things are new. All things are new. All things are new. Oh, come on, give it praise. Hallelujah. 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 Now, I, I want those of you who can, you just come down and fill in behind them and pray over them. Come on, fill in the aisles behind them and pray over them. You can lay hands on them if you can get to them. If not, just pray over them. Lift your hands over them and pray over them. Amen. Pastor's coming back, but I want to encourage those of you who prayed the sinner's prayer. Find one of our altar workers. Fill out that decision card. Give it back to them. We want to write you a letter. We want to help you get started living the new life. Amen. Praise God. Pastor. Hallelujah. Praise God. In about five weeks, I'll turn 60. Amen. So I got down here and got in this blessing. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And I believe it's a new day. It's a new season for you. It's a new season for Evangel Temple. I want everybody to just throw your hands up and just worship right now. Come on. Oh. Come on, everybody, worship. It's a new day. It's a new season. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody, sing and prophesy over your family. Come on, prophesy. We're going to sing it one more time. I'm declaring some things. We're releasing some things. We're going to walk in those things. Can you say amen? I, I want us to thank Pastor for the word tonight. Amen. Amen. I love the preaching of the word. And 
God has honored the years of faithful preaching, declaring the whole counsel of God's Word. I'm telling you, from cover to cover, we need every portion of Scripture preached. Amen. It's all good for our soul and spirit. Amen. I believe that. Hallelujah. This is an exciting hour. If you're interested in the trip to Israel, you just ask anyone where the conference room is, and we're going there in just a few moments. But I want us to sing this song in closing, and uh, it's going to be a good week, but I want you to invite people to Jonathan Kahn next Sunday. Amen. And get your loved ones here. The coming of the Lord is getting close. Amen.